And now, as a forgiven and a beloved people, let us hear today's gospel reading. We are in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. Now today, I am reading from the Message Bible Translation. This is a a paraphrase work that is one of my favorite translations to use when encountering folks who have never been to church before or uh, are not familiar with the Bible. It puts into our everyday language the words of Christ, the message of love from the gospel in a way that is accessible and allows us to experience God in a new way. So once again, let us hear from the Gospel of John 17, verses 1 through 11. And though we are reading from the English, sorry, from the message translation, I encourage you to read or follow along in the biblical language that best connects you with God. Let us hear of Jesus's prayer for his followers. And Jesus said these things, and then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Holy Parent, it is time. Display the bright splendor of your sun, so the sun in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human, so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail all that you assigned me to do. And now, Abba, Glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there even was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the, de- to the dear ones that you gave me. They were yours in the first place, and then you gave them to me, and they have now done what you said. They know now beyond the shadow of a doubt, that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. And they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me, and so I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those whom you gave me. For they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours, and yours mine, and so my life is on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible in the world, but they'll continue in the world while I return to you. These are God's words, the lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, friends, this is going to be one of those messages where I had something prepared, and then at the last minute, that Holy Spirit showed up, and she had something to say. Lex orandi, 
lex credendi, lex vivendi. As we worship, so we believe, so we live. This is our third and final installment of our series on rebuilding and remembering. And yes, that is Latin, but don't let it scare you. We're not moving in a direction outside of Methodism. Lex arandi, lex credendi, which is sometimes expanded, as I have done today, as lex arandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi, can be translated as the law of what is prayed is the law of what is believed is the law of what is lived. Now, I first came across this concept in my intro to worship class during my first semester of seminary at BU's School of Theology. And we thank, we thank Karen Westerfield Tucker. Dr. Westerfield Tucker made it very clear that that which we profess in our liturgies, in our churches, in our prayers, needs to be what we believe and what we live. And for me then, just as much as it is today, it does sum up perfectly what I believe, what I believe to be missing from many of our lives as Christians, especially in the United States. When so many have fallen out of love with mainstream Christianity and churches, not out of love with God, but out of love with God's people. What do I mean when I say it's something that we've lost? Well, see, this is a motto that's one that goes as far back as the early church. It's a motto that is shared by all of our Christian traditions from Roman Catholic to Orthodoxy to Protestantism. It means that prayer and belief are integral to each other. You cannot and should not separate them. Specifically, when it comes to worship, it means that our liturgies, that sacred writing, the things that we place in our bulletin and the things that we say out loud are not separate from our theology. Meaning, what we say out loud is not separate from what we believe to be true about God. This phrase, lex arandi, lex credendi, lex viviendi, refers directly to the relationship between worship and belief and living as a people of faith. Or in other words, y'all, if we talk the talk, we got to walk the walk. Amen? And it's not just enough to walk the walk, we got to mean it. What we pray, what we believe, how we move in the world, they all have to align. Praying, believing, and living. They have got to be reflections of one another. That is the only way to experience rebuilding, remembering, and revival. And if they aren't, if these three things don't line up, well, we got some work to do, don't we? And it's work that many Christians need to do, that many churches need to do, even the quote-unquote good ones. Now, why do I say that? Well, it's because I've been scratching my head lately, trying to figure out why when I watch the news, 
when I hear about so many United Methodist churches in the U.S. disaffiliating, when I have conversations with folks who identify as the non-churched, people who've never been in church before, or my favorite group, the done-churched, we've done it, we are done with it. The question that I get asked, the question that's got me scratching my head, the question I ask myself, why do so many professing Christians seem to act in ways contrary to what they claim to believe? And it's a great question. How many of us have wondered that ourselves? I'm seeing a lot of nodding heads. It's a great question. And it's one we need to ask if we are ever going to see that revival that we are right on the cusp of. And it's not just a great question to ask, but it's one we need to answer for ourselves. Which brings us to today's scripture and our focus on lex orandi, lex credendi, and lex vivendi. It's just fun to say, too. So we're moving backwards a little bit in time with this particular gospel, since according to the church calendar, we're seven weeks post-resurrection and just a week before Pentecost. But in this moment in the gospel, we are before the crucifixion. This is before Jesus' arrest. This is before Jesus' time spent in the garden alone. In this moment, we are here with a very real very human Jesus, and he is sitting at dinner with his ragtag group of friends, with his closest companions. And if you move a little further up in the text, he's trying yet again to explain what is about to happen. And, spoiler alert, shocker, the disciples are yet again not quite getting it. In the previous chapters, Jesus is speaking in parable to his disciples, to the people who have come to hear him. He's speaking in stories that he's hoping that they can then take and relate to their lives. He loves doing that. Have any of you noticed that? That that he loves to storytell. He loves to share in that way. While at the same time, don't you ever just wish he'd get to the point? that he'd be less like Sophia from the Golden Girls, starting off with a picture. It's Jerusalem, 34 AD. See, Jesus is trying to walk them through yet another confusing parable, and the disciples, they're getting frustrated. If you read the, the text immediately prior to what we read today, they're getting frustrated, they're getting annoyed. And toward the end of chapter 16, the chapter immediately before today's reading, Jesus can sense their frustration. And he finally says to them, all right, no more parables, no more stories. I'm going to give it to you straight. And the disciples respond after hearing what Jesus has put before them in verses 29 through 30 of chapter 16, which of course we've all read. They finally say something along the lines of, finally, you are giving it to us straight in plain talk. No more figures of speech. 
And since you've given it to us straight, now we know that you are who you say you are. We know that you know everything. That all of this that we have been working for, all of this that we have been following you, listening to you, watching you, everything that we have been working toward, it all comes together in you, Jesus. You won't have to put up with our questions anymore. We are convinced that you have come from God. At which point, like any good pastor or rabbi, Jesus begins to pray for his people. And in this prayer, he lays it all out. He gives them an example of how to pray. He shows that even him, his very being, being both God and man, there is still something bigger than even him. And he gives them and us the reason for everything that he has lived, everything that he has taught, everything he has gone through and will go through so that we can hear it, we can claim it, we can believe it, and we can live it. Claiming, believing, living. Lex arandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. The claiming is their identity as beloved children of God. No questions asked. That claiming Once they claim out loud their identity, the believing, the believing what it is that Jesus has taught them about God, about the world, about humanity, about themselves, and then the encouragement to live it out in the world, a world that needs more people embracing a sense of lex orandi, lex credendi, Lex vivendi. So we say, so we believe, so we live. This is what Jesus has been trying to teach folks this whole time throughout his ministry. Amen? Amen. This is why Christianity, this is what the deal is, this is why it matters. This is what Jesus was trying to show us. That what we say we must believe, and when we believe it, we can live it. That was the example of his life, his ministry, his resurrection. So what is the deal with Christianity? Why does it matter to you? What was Jesus really trying to show us? For any of you who may be asking or have asked this question, especially in this season of the life of the church, both here in Weston and in the world, I invite you to look a little bit more closely at this passage. Because this prayer from Jesus for us all, for us all, not just the disciples of his time, but all of us throughout history, This prayer from Jesus for all of us tells us exactly why this matters. Tells us why our time spent praying together, 
learning together, challenging one another, listening for God's call in our lives together, why it's so important. It lays out for us why it's important not just to pray to God, but to take it inside, to allow it to germinate, to be nurtured, this belief in who we are and who Jesus is in us, to then live it out, to show up for one another and for the communities we serve, to support each other in this walk together. It's about working together, living together to create a more just and beloved world here on earth as it is in heaven. That rings a little bit of a bell, yeah? yeah? A prayer that we say every week. It means creating space for the spirit to move in our lives. No matter what the spaces are that we inhabit, no matter where we find ourselves. Lex orandi. Lex credendi, lex vivendi. So we pray, so we believe, so we live. It's why we join together every Sunday to learn and question and doubt and believe and imagine the ways in which we can truly be reflections of God's love and light in the world. It's why we return time after time to the scriptures to seek the wisdom found in these pages. It's why we baptize our children and make promises to them and to God to support them in their journey of knowing God together, of knowing God better. It's why we return to the communion table every time to seek a new or a deeper, renewed relationship with Jesus, to grow deeper in relationship with God and with Christ and with one another. Lex orandi. Lex credendi. Lex vivendi. And it's why when we say these words, when we have these prayers, when we celebrate the work of the church, it's all to create a welcoming space for others to then do the same thing to say, to believe, and to live. So, beloved, what do you say? How do you pray, believe, and live? How do you speak of your faith? Do you speak of your faith? How do you then believe it? Do you believe it with your whole heart and soul and mind? Or are you not sure? Also valid. But when you say it, and you believe it, do you then live it out? Do you live it out in such a way that others know you to be a person of faith who truly says what they believe because they live it? Because here's the hard truth. The church is not doing a great job of it. And it's our job to change that. When we claim the faith, what are we claiming when we call ourselves Christians? Because the truth is, we claim a faith 
based on the teachings of a brown-skinned, homeless, poor Palestinian man. And are we living in such a way that reflects that? Do we live in such a way that mirrors our prayers on Sundays and is reflected in our actions throughout the rest of the week? When we come together to remember our baptisms or when we baptize others, how seriously do we take the words that we say out loud? That we freely accept the freedom and power that God gives us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. And I will say that over and over again. And it is in our hymnal. It is in our book of worship. It is an important statement of our faith. Do we live it out? Do we accept that freedom and power and then live it out by showing up? Showing up to speak truth to power. Showing up to be present at events that support anti-racism work, that affirm our queer siblings, that speaks out against violence and injustice, again, in whatever forms they present themselves. Are we praying the Lord's Prayer out loud every Sunday in such a way that we believe it? Amen. Take your bulletin for a moment and take a look at that prayer. We say it. We know it. But do we realize that when we pray this, we are literally asking God to forgive us in the same way we forgive others? Amen. Because if that's the case, I'm in trouble. I don't know about you all, but this pastor struggles with that too. Do we believe it when we say it? Are we living in such a way that we believe God's will not just be done, but must be done? That the kingdom or the kingdom, whichever word you wish to use of God, is possible. When we pray this, do we have that vision in our hearts as well as on our lips? That the kingdom of God is possible on earth just as it is in heaven. And are we then acting, living, working to see it all come together, to all come to fruition? How are we doing with that? Even as a pastor, I struggle with living fully into that prayer. That's the messy part of being human, and that is why we do this thing called church together. For in those moments when we are weak, others can be strong. But it is only when we are in community that that is possible. It is only when we shore each other up that we can truly live into lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi, as we say, so we believe, so we live. Amen. But we are blessed. We are blessed to be in a community with one another where this is possible. It is possible for us here in Weston and for all Christians throughout the world. We can embody this 
as we worship, so we believe, so we live. So here is my challenge, beloveds, because you knew you weren't getting out of this without a challenge. For all of us, both here in the pews and online or those who are listening on the podcast, when you find yourselves praying, if you find yourselves praying, and I recommend that you try that out if you haven't, but when you find yourself having a conversation with God, end it with lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi, as a part of your prayer. That God give you the strength that as you worship, so you can believe and so you can live. When you are faced with an opportunity to support causes or events, not just in the church, but anywhere, ones that align with our commitment as a people called Christian to be reflections of love in the world, but you don't want to do it because it's not interesting or it's weird or it takes you out of your comfort zone, I want you to pause and think. Lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. Do my beliefs and my actions match the words of my mouth? And when you hold back from inviting others into this kingdom or kingdom work with you, and I'm not just talking about inviting people to church, I'm talking about inviting people to be a part of the life of the church. Check your hesitation against lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. So with confidence, you can say, the law of my prayer is the law of my belief and is the law of my living. Because when we do that, when we fully embody that, when that is what we are putting out into the world, we will see a rebuilding. We will experience a remembering. And we will be part of that revival, that new life in the church, here and everywhere. Say it with me. Lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. Let us worship, let us believe, and let us live. Amen. May it be so. Amen.